0: I'm Mario Munoz, reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. On June 30th, the eve of the one-year anniversary of the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, USMCA, the Mexico and Canada Institutes at the Wilson Center in Washington, D.C., hosted a conversation with trade ministers from the United States Mexico and Canada to discuss lessons learned during the first year of USMCA and the most important plans for the upcoming years. The President and CEO of Kansas City Southern Railroad, Pat Ottensmeyer, opened the event and also announced that Kansas City Southern Railroad and Canadian National Railway plan to merge. Ottensmeyer introduced the moderator of the event, Wilson Center Director and CEO, Ambassador Mark Green.
1: My name is Pat Ottensmeyer. I am President and Chief Executive Officer of Kansas City Southern, one of North America's large railroads, and I am delighted uh, to have been asked to kick off this uh, remarkable roundtable discussion uh, my uh, primary role here will be to uh, introduce Ambassador Green, who will introduce the, uh, the panel and others uh, on, on the, uh, the discussion for today. But I would uh, like to uh, make some comments here just about the, uh, the unique opportunity here in, in, the, in the discussion, uh, literally on the eve of uh, one-year birthday anniversary of the signing of USMCA. Uh, for those of you who don't know Kansas City Southern as well as others, again, we are one of the largest railroads in North America with a significant presence in Mexico. So our business has been very uh, uh, tightly connected to U.S.-Mexico trade since the uh, implementation of NAFTA 25, 27 years ago. Uh, we are now in the process of, uh, of uh, merging with a, uh, a Canadian national which is also one of the largest uh, uh, transportation railroad companies in North America. And uh, the combination of Canadian National and uh, Kansas City Southern will create a rail network uh, that is unmatched across North America. Uh, and uh, it is our belief that uh, the opportunity for trade growth across all three countries is just a fantastic opportunity for North America, all three countries in North America, to emerge and move forward as an even more powerful trading block uh, in the world. And uh, much of the trade uh, relies on infrastructure, and rail infrastructure is a critical part of the backbone of trade across the continent, And the combination of Canadian National and Kansas City Southern will create a, uh, as I said earlier, an unmatched first ever, truly North American rail network that we think is going to be not only a participant, but a driver of investment across North America and improved supply chains, improved uh, performance and resiliency of supply chains. The presence of USMCA is a significant factor in creating this environment. Uh, Trade certainty between the three countries in North America, as well as other factors, Uh, supply chain leaders around the world are looking to de-risk, shrink global supply chains, improve predictability, resilience of supply chains. And uh, we have a fantastic opportunity Uh, With USMCA in place and forums like this, where we have open discussion uh, between the leaders of all three countries uh, to focus on issues and align priorities to take advantage of this fantastic opportunity for North America. So, with that, I I would like to uh, introduce Ambassador Mark Green. Many of you know uh, Ambassador Green uh, has a very uh, distinguished uh, career and uh, has been with the uh, Wilson uh, Center since the beginning of the year uh, after uh, having uh, uh, spent uh, uh, several years at the McCain Institute and uh, top roles uh, at the International Republican Institute, the Initiative for Global Development, and the U.S. Global Leadership uh, Coalition. Uh, he also served as U.S. Ambassador to uh, Tanzania and served four terms in the U.S. House of Representatives for Wisconsin's 8th District. So, uh, Ambassador Green, I'm, I'm going to assume that you are being a Wisconsin native, that you are a Green Bay Packers fan, and uh, with all of these <laughs> fine uh, witnesses, I would like to extend a personal invitation for you to come to kansas city on november 7th for the showdown the the rematch of super bowl one between the kansas city chiefs and the green bay packers so consider that uh, invitation extended and with that i will turn the floor over to ambassador mark green
2: thanks pat uh we aren't to bring religion into this which is what we do when we talk about my green bay packers uh thanks for your kind introduction and, and seriously, thanks for your great support of NAFTA, USMCA, and, and the work that we do at the Wilson Center. So, uh, welcome everyone to the Woodrow Wilson Center. Uh, our congressional mandate is directing us to bring together the world of learning and the world of public affairs. I can't think of a more important way that we fulfill that mandate than through our discussions this week on the first anniversary of the U.S. Mexican. Canadian agreement. And it is an honor to be here with the trade leaders of these three close partners, North American partners and friends. So thanks to COVID-19, USMCA's first year has been, to put it mildly, not one that will soon be forgotten. But it's also proven both the resolve of our nations and our overall dedication to harnessing the might of private enterprise for a brighter more prosperous future for the entire continent. After a quarter century of success under the North American Free Trade Agreement, the U.S., Mexican, and Canadian leaders worked tirelessly to modernize that agreement and to provide clear and coherent trade rules for sectors and disciplines not covered by NAFTA or the Canada-U.S. Free Trade Agreement that preceded it. No other free trade agreement has been updated in this fashion. When President Trump uh, joined his counterparts in November of 2018 at the signing ceremony, he boasted that USMCA is the largest, most significant, modern, and balanced trade agreement in history. In this case, he may have been right. All three governments should be commended for their vision and their willingness to take on the risk of renegotiation with no guarantee of success, the chance that things could be made worse. That takes courage. That takes principled leadership, and it takes close cooperation and communication among our friends and partners in North America. But we all know the work is far from done. We must continue to educate the public. We must continue to strengthen our mutual trade interests and shore up our economic prospects. Negotiators in this process, as we know, added new chapters on digital trade, small and medium enterprises, regulatory coherence and competitiveness, to name a few, while also fully incorporating labor and environmental chapters into the new agreement. Our countries also updated rules of origin to ensure that the auto industry, the driver of 25% of North American commerce, could compete in a future electronic vehicle-focused global economy. If anything, The pandemic has reinforced the deeply interconnected nature of our economies and societies. It has shown us the risks of over-reliance on supply chains whose crucial links may run through far-off lands. It is essential that we, government, private sector, and civil society, learn from the pandemic, that we implement plans and policies that will help mitigate the impact of future disruptions that we recognize the value and potential for nearshoring crucial sectors and important supply chains. We should also seize the opportunity of USMCA's Competitiveness Committee. As we all know, it's an important innovation of the agreement, and it provides an additional tool for the governments to engage with the private sectors and civil society. Earlier this week, we had the opportunity to hear from three business groups about their vision for the committee. And the Wilson Center is eager to support the committee through our scholarship and convening power. Our Canada and Mexico institutes have held over 15 events and published numerous papers about USMCA and the opportunities for enhanced cooperation and commerce within North America. Many of the events and publications occurred under the umbrella of our USMCA working group, which we established about a year ago and about which you will hear more later on. That group brings together policymakers and stakeholders to discuss rules of origin, workforce development, energy, border management, and travel and tourism, among others. It will continue during the agreement's second year to convene and discuss additional chapters and sector discussions in areas like agriculture, financial services, small and medium enterprises, and the digital economy. In doing so, we hope to provide the three governments with actionable recommendations to support rapid resolution of problems and agile responses to opportunities to again enhance the economy of no one of us but all three of us and in fact the entire hemisphere. So enough from me. Let's get on to today's important discussion. I am delighted to have the honor to moderate a virtual fireside chat with North America's trade ministers to commemorate USMCA's first birthday. I will invite each of the ministers to make brief opening remarks, and then we'll engage in a conversation about USMCA's achievements, challenges, and potential. First, we will hear from Ambassador Catherine Tai. She is the 19th US Trade Representative serving as the principal trade advisor, negotiator, and spokesperson on U.S. trade policy. She previously served as the chief trade counsel and trade subcommittee staff director for the House Ways and Means Committee, where she played a pivotal role in shaping U.S. trade law, including the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Ambassador, I'm turning it over to you for some comments.
3: Thank you so much, Ambassador Green, for those uh, kind words uh, and the warm introduction. And thank you to the Wilson Center for hosting today's event. It is wonderful to join my friend Secretary Cloutier and Minister Ng as well. I've enjoyed getting to know both of you in our early conversations. It has been a busy month for the Biden-Harris administration on the world stage. At the beginning of the month, Vice President Harris visited Guatemala and Mexico, and a few weeks ago, I joined President Biden in Brussels, where we highlighted the importance of the transatlantic relationship. And tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of the entry into force of the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. This important milestone offers us an opportunity to reflect on the importance of our partnership and commit to advancing a positive economic agenda that lifts up workers and communities in all of our countries. I believe that the USMCA provides us with a framework to advance this agenda. For years, there was broad consensus that the NAFTA needed to be updated and remedied to meet the needs of the 21st century and correct for flaws and breakdowns in the agreement that developed over time. That view was shared by the business community, labor unions, and members of Congress from both parties. The USMCA, as originally negotiated, made some important strides towards achieving the goals of updating and remedying the NAFTA, but still fell short of the standards required to win congressional support. Only with the close partnership with business and labor organizations, and after a most unlikely and topsy-turvy collaboration between congressional Democrats and the Trump administration, Did the renegotiated USMCA emerge as a better deal for workers. It also serves as a new model for trade agreements to be able to secure a broad base of support. The USMCA was approved by the US Congress with overwhelming bipartisan majorities and was endorsed by groups ranging from the AFL-CIO to the US Chamber of Commerce. Of course, none of this would have been possible without the commitment of our Mexican and Canadian partners. The process and the final product demonstrated that thoughtful engagement and an openness to creative solutions can lead to better policy. The USMCA now includes the strongest labor and environmental standards in any agreement ever, a new labor-specific enforcement mechanism, and critical changes to intellectual property provisions designed to increase access to affordable medicine for regular people. The USMCA also allows us to revisit parts of the agreement to ensure that it remains relevant as the economy and our world evolve. We should celebrate the USMCA because of what it represents, a renewed commitment by our three countries to pursue negotiations that raise standards and create that race to the top. As President Biden stated at the recent G7 leaders meeting, we will always be more successful if we partner with our allies. Collaboration with Mexico and Canada helps us confront today's challenges and prepare for the challenges we will face in the future. Most importantly, the trust and the relationships that we built in renewing the terms of this agreement will help us to promote the competitiveness of North America and respond to the policies of non-market economies that undercut our businesses and our workers. A good next step in this increased cooperation can be on the issue of forced labor. The USMCA includes a strong obligation to prohibit the importation of goods produced with forced labor. Working together to address this critical economic and moral issue would send a powerful message to the world. While today we are celebrating what we have accomplished with this new agreement, we must also acknowledge that there is more work to do. By continuing our work together, we can build a more competitive and resilient partnership that delivers shared prosperity across this region that is home to all of us. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, Next, we will hear from Secretary Tatiana Cloutier Carrillo. Mexico's Secretary of the Economy. Secretary Cloutier has spent 12 years working on public policy on the state and municipal level, including as a Congresswoman in Mexico's lower house twice. Secretary Cloutier, over to you for some comments.
4: Good morning, good evening. I'm very pleased to be with you. I want to thank Wilson Center for allowing us to share. We are just about to celebrate the first anniversary of the entering into force of USMCA. I want to thank the presence of the ambassador, our uh, moderator, Mr. Patrick, and the representatives of Helen Brady and Richard Field. Thank you very much for being with us and my colleagues and work uh, colleagues that we have worked a lot because some I uh, took office this year but we were working together reviewing all the works in the 11 committees that showed all the progress made in U.S. MCA for me this was very important and to listen about the challenges we have and as Catherine said we have a lot of work to do and as nations however this treaty that have been modernized up to par compared to the world we are able to face the new challenges and during COVID through it was a very important mechanism that strengthened as you said before the commerce was strengthened in some way and this partnership helped the three countries to face challenges in a different way i want to make three comments those are the three r's one of them is the trade reactivation the other one is economic recovery and the restructuring of value chain For Mexico, having uh, the celebration of the first anniversary, the commercial environment has allowed a more active dynamism uh, faster despite the pandemic, I should say that, and allowed Mexico to be positioned as the main commercial partner of the U.S. and the third commercial partner of Canada. Mexico has been uh, consolidated, having today $51 billion in 2020 uh, with uh, uh, the U.S., and it maintained as an important provider of food to the U.S., where with access to a healthy and more varied diet our products uh, were able to be sent to the u.s through this uh, treaty also the us mca has been a powerful engine of economic recovery in north america and despite the pandemic we were able to face economic consequences, and Mexico is positioned in ninth place among the countries that that received major foreign investment flows. And this has to do with this USMCA treaty. And for us, I think that we should highlight that USMCA helped our investments with Canada and the US were uh, strengthened. The confidence of this uh, USMCA mechanism was welcomed worldwide but also by investors and our colleagues and workers in the country. The restructuring of supply chain thanks to USMCA also were tested during the pandemic. Well, part of what we have done uh, up to date is to share with our counterparties, especially a study uh, uh, by Alonso de Gortari that indicates that the manufacturing imports that U.S. uh, performs from Mexico integrate a 30% U.S. content and we have sent to the administration of President Biden and Canada, highlighting the strengthening of the value chains to overcome, or as a region to overcome, as Catherine said, as if we work as allies to have a, front, a common front, we can thrive. We want to thank how this renewed uh, USMCA have taken Mexico uh, to the core of the agenda of the President Lopez Obrador agenda. During his campaign, he mentioned the importance of strengthening the work and having more competitive salaries for workers with important uh, labor condition, And before the USMCA implementation, he carried out a very important labor reform. I was a congresswoman when this reform was approved. And in some way, uh, for, we, for the USMCA, we moved to another stage with a very well-drawn roadmap and also to have a union liberty and the workers will have all the necessary information for the commitments in the labor uh, agreements. In this sense, USMCA is really important in Articles 23 and Annex 23A that will allow to contribute to the efforts of an inclusive development thanks to the crucial pillars that are the improvement of labor conditions and better salaries. We have worked hand-in-hand with the private sector and workers, women and men, that will be ready to carry out implementation and to receive the benefits of the reform. Uh, Also, we have carried out reforms to improve minimum wages and to improve the the scheme of uh, uh, profit distribution, and the free trade agreement has been really significant. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, uh, Madam Secretary. That's that's very helpful and uh, a lot uh, for us to take from that. So I'd like to turn next to the Honourable Mary Yang the Canadian Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion, and International Trade. She emigrated from Hong Kong to Canada with her family, so she knows well the importance of international relationships and economic opportunity. She knows well the struggle uh, and eventual success of immigrants to a new country and the important role that economic growth plays in that. Uh, 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 Madam Minister, please, uh, a few words from you.
5: Well, thank you so very much. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Bon et toutes et and um tardes I want to thank you uh, for that good introduction, uh, Ambassador Green. Uh, but before I begin, uh, let me just uh, acknowledge that I am joining you from the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit the Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee, the Chippewa, and the Wendat peoples. Uh, For those of us who are settlers or even immigrants to Canada, it's really important to recognize that Indigenous peoples have always been here and that Canadians have a role to play in reconciliation. And this, this work is especially important with the tragic confirmation of hundreds of children whose lives were taken at residential schools and it's important that we recognize the terrible legacy of reg- residential schools and the rail and the role that uh, all that we all can play in our ongoing reconciliation efforts moving forward um, ambassador thai secretary coutier catherine tatiana it is wonderful to see you again and to connect after uh, we had a terrific um, free trade commission meeting It's really great to be sharing the virtual stage with you. Um, I also want to say a hello to uh, both Ambassador Green and Representative Brady. Hello. Uh, Nice to see you. And on the eve of um, the first anniversary of the Canada, U.S. and Mexico agreement, or what we in Canada here like to call the new NAFTA. Um, I want to thank you, Ambassador Green, and to Pat and the entire team at the Wilson Center for bringing us uh, together. In 1993, our countries made history by forging the largest trade agreement with the shared goal of mutual economic prosperity and raising the standards of living for all of our people. Since then, trilateral trade has tripled, fostering innovation and creating jobs and economic growth across North America. Fast forward to the summer of 2017, when our countries first came together to build off this foundation set in 1993 and to prepare the economy for the future with a new NAFTA. And today we're here on the eve of this first anniversary since the agreement came into force, reflecting on lessons learned for that first year and highlighting our top and shared priorities for North American collaboration in the years ahead. This last year has certainly been a difficult year It's plunged our respective nations into one of the biggest health, social and economic crises in modern memory. It has showed, though, clearly how essential open trade and integrated supply chains are to support our industries, our workers, our communities through the most difficult of circumstances. From working together on adapting trade mechanisms for critical supplies such as food, medicine or the raw materials that are used in making PPE or life-saving ventilators to the equitable flow of goods between our countries and indeed around the world during COVID-19. Our trade relationship is built on long-established, deeply integrated supply chains, networks of workers and businesses that aren't just selling to each other, but we're innovating and we're building together and we're selling to the world. Let me share a couple of examples of what I mean by this. Let's start with Biodefense Indoor Air Production System. It's a transcontinental partnership between a Houston-based company um integrated viral protection in the united states dust free a canadian engineering uh company uh in uh, cpr and mexico's Instalaciones y espaliesteados metallicas these three manufacturing companies came together to create an innovative system for ventilators which traps and eliminates the covid 19 virus using high heat without affecting air temperature Another great example is the one that Pat highlighted earlier with the proposed landmark deal between Kansas City Southern and CN Rail, a deal that has the potential to generate economic growth on both sides of our shared border with the United States. This is the power of the new NAFTA in action. The reliability and stability of our trade agreement is what allowed businesses like these ones and their hardworking employees to innovate and adapt through challenging times. Moving forward, our trade relationship will be crucial to supporting them as they recover, grow, create jobs for our shared recovery, strengthening our North American competitiveness. It is clear that the enhancements we made in the new NAFTA are already fostering an environment and opportunities to grow in traditional sectors such as manufacturing, agricultural, natural resources, and are also helping us become market leaders in emerging in emerging sectors such as clean technology and sustainable infrastructure through trilateral collaboration. I'll give you another example. Take our Montreal's WSP. It's a world leading engineering consulting firm that helped the Dell Children's Medical Center in Austin, Texas become the world's first hospital to earn platinum lead accreditation for sustainability. WSP reduced net energy use by 40% by creating a design that optimizes heat recovery, ventilation, lighting, and the use of daylight by modernizing north american rules of trade and simplifying trade processes our businesses are better able to meet the most pressing challenges of our time from the pandemic to climate change our renewed commitment to the automobile to the automobile industry in kusma is an excellent example of this by working together under this new agreement We're incentivizing North American production of zero emission vehicles and turning our countries into global leaders in the clean energy vehicle market. This is about strengthening our long-term competitiveness, generating sustainable growth and creating good jobs across our countries. In closing, I would like to underscore something of vital importance. By working hard in each of our countries to implement the new NAFTA, we're sending a strong signal to our people our businesses, our communities, and our investors. It is a message about our renewed commitment to the Trilateral Economic Partnership, one that protects workers, supports small businesses, creates opportunities for underrepresented groups, and contributes to a more sustainable and inclusive future. And I know as Canada, the United States, and Mexico continue to work together, we will recover from COVID 19. We will lead the world in a greener, safer, and more competitive economic recovery. Thank you so much. Merci, gracias.
2: Mr. Rang, thank you uh, so much. And and each of you have highlighted some of the great innovations that are at the heart of USMCA. Uh, But as we began, this obviously came into force during a challenging time for all three economies, given the pandemic. Uh, What steps remain in implementation, and what do you see as the timeline for completing those steps? And if I can begin with you, Ambassador Tai, how how do you see implementation and the necessary steps ahead?
3: Well, thank you so much. And it uh, really is uh, a joy and delight to be reunited with um, uh, Secretary Cloutier, um, Minister Ng, uh, again uh, in, in two dimensions. We did spend quite a bit of time with each other back in April for the Free Trade Commission. Uh, and I want to note at the start of um, uh, this, uh, this session Um, that uh, we were very proud um, to be representing uh, these three countries as uh, women. Uh, And uh, I will note that um, uh, we also take pride in the fact that uh, we we not only stuck to the agenda for those two days, but we also, um, I think, finished early for most of our our, uh, discussion sessions. And uh, we will take credit for that as women as well. Um, uh, Ambassador Green, you ask a great question, and I think it offers uh, me a, a unique opportunity to talk a little bit about um, uh, how we are thinking about um, the USMCA, um, this particular trade agreement, but uh, also uh, all trade agreements, which is the implementation process is ongoing. Um, <clears throat> working on this agreement is never going to be finished. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a pretty critical um, uh, uh, notion. That we're really trying to focus on, which is um, these agreements are about relationships, and relationships are dynamic, just as our global economy is dynamic, and um, uh, the way that we interact with each other, uh, the mechanisms that we have for cooperation, uh, for building together, but also for managing um, our frictions, um, is an ongoing process. So, from my perspective, um, uh, yes, uh, the pandemic has been a has been a real curveball. Uh, but we are here for each other, uh, that is the purpose of the USMCA, and we will continue to implement it um, uh, through its lifetime.
2: Uh, Minister Eng or Secretary Cloutier, do you have anything you'd like to add in terms of the path for implementation?
0: Um,
2: if not, why don't I um, uh, pick up where we just left off, because it, Uh, As you said, in many ways, Mm -hmm. this is a process, not a single agreement. And there's a path ahead, not just in implementation, but in looking for ways to advance trade. Uh, As important as this agreement is, and as beneficial as it is, I think we all recognize that the politics of trade are difficult. They're often difficult for domestic constituencies. Um, How do you advance the cause of trade in your own countries? And how do you help to convince uh, Mexicans, Canadians, and Americans that free trade is something that should continue to be pursued? Secretary Cloutier, if I can begin with you, perhaps?
4: Yes, of course. Well, I think that one of the most important things is how the regionalization and show figures, but also show that not all of us do the same things, we are supplementary. This is one of the most important things where we were able to show our openness. The pandemic has been a great example of we can see how the example of making a decision A or B for us, What we have done in Mexico is to show with figures, and let me go back to the field. Well, all the agricultural products that we, despite the pandemic, because we maintained people working in the field by respecting the protocols and complying with the terms and labor efforts, has been fundamental. And this is part of the producers and workers that when they want to do, they can do it. And we have demonstrated that we were capable of doing this in a respectful way with the agreements we have. So in this way, for us, and this, we discuss this when the voices say, that we want to protect ourselves or to close ourselves, but we did the opposite. If we uh, show figures as partners, despite the pandemic, the supply chain and the resilience shown through the supply chains, and not to close the borders and to have synergies to facilitate things, this gave results we were supplementary as mary said with some products but the pharmaceutical part the aerospatial part were the spaces where they show the need to demonstrate the strength as a region and having the us as a mechanism to face the pandemic and we have said this uh, uh, with, to investors and workers, when we have, when we are capable of seeing the great opportunities, instead of closing ourselves because we are afraid and we think to protect our own things, we see this in a different way. I want to uh, show you an example the usmca in chapter 23 instead of saying that we we were uh, striving this to strengthen the labor reform but with the ones that have made more progress for historical reasons like our counterparts and they were accompanying us by seeing us and this allowed us so our workers and companies to say this is the right path that we should take instead of closing ourselves and also uh, women and SMEs uh, to export in hard times so what we have said at this that we have a big region where we can strengthen ourselves don't be afraid. Fear paralyzes, and we have less ox- oxygen in our head if we have fear. Thank you very much.
2: Madam Secretary, that phrase, free, uh, fear paralyzes, I think is an important one for all of us to keep in mind as we take on important challenges. Minister Eng, is there anything
5: that you'd like to add? Well, I would agree with uh, both Catherine and Tatiana. Um, I think that uh, what underscores um, the opportunities for us is what we do domestically to um, support our businesses and our workers as best as we can. But what we do here is uh, is work collaboratively together uh, to um, you know to to be as competitive as we can uh, in all three of our countries. And uh, and and I would agree very very much that it is the It is this evolving ability that this very good framework in the new NAFTA that provides the conditions for us to keep building on, um, you know, on making sure that this agreement really does, in fact, uh, help us become the most competitive region in the world.
2: As we began, we all recognize that uh, this is being implemented during a challenging time economically, uh, what I didn't want to let go by, and I will a- ask it as a quick question of all of you what can we do to help? What can the private sector do to help each of you and all of you in implementation and in moving this forward so that we can realize the promise that is yes, USMCA? Ambassador, perhaps I can start with you. Ambassador Tai.
3: Sure. Um, thank you, Ambassador Green. And I, I liked your previous question so much. I'm just going to tack on um, uh, a thought um, there, which is, um, I really want to call people's attention to the fact that the USMCA is uh, probably the most pro-worker agreement out there, and really something that the United States, Mexico, and Canada uh, should be proud of. Um, and, uh, you know, I take your point about the trade politics being difficult. They have been difficult. But look at look at USMCA as a high standard agreement um, just through the lens of, uh, I think, 89% of House members um, voted for this agreement and it was 89 senators, which out of 100, it gives you 89% there as well. Um, that's really, that's really, uh, I think, a transformation of uh, some of our trade politics and is the reason why I think USMCA really is transformational just as the NAFTA started a trajectory of um, uh, trade agreements for a generation. I think that USMCA is the beginning of the trajectory for uh, a new generation of trade agreements. Um, to Uh, your specific question in terms of um, uh, what um, uh, the private sector um, and also what civil society can do um, participate. Uh, I think one of the lessons that I take, um, certainly and the Biden-Harris administration takes from uh, the USMCA and the renegotiation of the NAFTA is that an inclusive process can lead to a more inclusive outcome. And that means taking the table that we have and building it out, making a really big table. You need to be there, businesses need to be there, civil society needs to be there. And that is really the path uh, that I see for all of us.
2: Secretary Cloutier. Uh,
4: Normally people ask, and I want to thank you when you say that how we can help or what can we do? There are several schemes by which we can help i'm going to what the pandemic showed us and what the new agreement updated agreement is showing us we have to move faster to the digitalization accompanying the smes and all the companies that are led by women that i have been hit in all this process and this is achieved by supply chain. And I always say and request, and I raise my hand, that in these supply chains, we always need to see the rules of origin, the interpretation regarding um, how they have been implemented and understood. So these supply chains, the rules of origin with original content will be will be made available to the three regions and not only to avail, made available to only one group. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Minister Eng.
5: Well, to your question, um, how the private sector can help, I would agree with um, with Catherine. I mean, what are trade agreements for? They are there to set the right conditions for businesses to do business, but also uh, to ensure that there is prosperity for all people in our economy that include workers that include small and medium sized businesses. They need to include women entrepreneurs, Indigenous entrepreneurs, racialized entrepreneurs. I mean, that's what this framework is is here for. I mean, and and here we have a modernized agreement that has into the agreement provisions for labor, provisions for the environment, but also chapters, I mean, that Canada fought hard for that includes uh, small and medium sized businesses. Trade agreements work when the benefits of trade, when the economic job growth accrue to all people in our, you know, in our respective economies. So I think this is absolutely um, uh, very, very important that we continue to do our work trilaterally. But we also, um, you know, have in front of us, um, you know, how we as, uh, as, as in North America, be leaders and uh, and tackle issues like climate change. I mean, when you look at uh, the rules of origin enhancements under this agreement, it's incentivizing domestic production um, that's going to create good, well-paying jobs for workers in our countries, in all three of our countries. It's gonna drive North American uh, innovation and put high standards in manufacturing. Um, What is so encouraging here is, I mean, you know, in Canada, we see General Motors that actually converted the very first, you know, production of production of electric vehicles here, a large-scale uh, auto plant uh, conversion in this country. I mean, these are going to be the opportunities that I think allow us to be able to work together and uh, and the integration of the supply chain. I'm going to maybe end with a very uh, neat example. I often sort of use this to describe the Canada-U.S.-Mexico um, relationship, and I describe it in a hamburger. Here's how it goes. You can tell me what kind of hamburger it is, because I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to say whether it's a Canadian hamburger, a Mexican hamburger, or a U.S. hamburger, because the beef starts in Alberta, it gets processed in the United States, you've got bread that's baked from a bakery in Mexico, but it's Canadian wheat, lettuce from the lettuce bowl that is California, uh, because Catherine told me about that, so I learned that through Catherine, And, uh, and tomatoes from Mexico. So here you go you got a trilateral hamburger this is how connected our economies are at the very basic but at the much more complex which of course this agreement gets into is really how the how all of us including the private sector and i would agree it is engagement of uh, the private sector and civil society our workers or unions we've got to be able to make this work and it is about driving north american competitive it is to deal with issues like Forced labor, and the only way we're going to be able to do that, in my view, is for the three the three countries to keep doing what we have, you know, which uh, those that came before us um, put this very good agreement together. It has been modernized. It has the support. And, uh, and 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 there are going to be you know there are going to be bumps along the road. But I will also share that someone uh, uh, this is not my quote either. But bumps are just simply stepping stones to success. So you know what I think that's uh, that really sets our relationship. And I am uh, I'm very encouraged and very optimistic of this relationship between Canada, Mexico, and United States. And I can't think of better women to be working with than Catherine and Tatiana. And she's right. We did finish every single one of those sessions early, and I think I'm going to take credit along with the two of you as women leading this darn thing.
2: Minister, thank you. Uh, you can see that uh, you have done well in politics. Anytime that you can bring a hamburger in the discussion, you know that you capture everybody in the audience. Well done. Thank you to Ambassador Tai, Secretary Cloutier, Minister Eng for joining us today. Thanks for your leadership uh, getting it, us to this point, but also. As you move forward, please know that we do stand ready to work with you and support you in this very important process. Uh, It is now my pleasure, professional and personal, to turn things over to our next speaker. Without the hard work of ranking member Kevin Brady and his colleagues, USMCA would not have been ratified. They're part of the 89 that you heard about uh, moving us forward. I'm going to invite Congressman Brady to to make a few brief remarks and then we'll engage with a very brief discussion with him to talk about Congress's role in implementation and what we see moving forward. Congressman Kevin Brady has represented Texas 8th Congressional District since 1997. He is currently the ranking member in the House Ways and Means Committee, and he previously chaired the committee. I had the honor of serving with him in Congress, and I can tell you, he is not only one of the most eloquent advocates for trade, but he is one of those who knows how to build coalitions both sides of the aisle to advance the importance of trade, uh, supply chains, and making sure that we are taking up the important issues that we are today. Uh, Kevin, over to you for a few remarks.
6: Great. Well, thank you, Ambassador Green, for the kind introduction. It really is terrific to see you. And if you don't take up Pat's offer for that game, I noticed the Houston Texans are coming to Green Bay uh, this uh, August as well. So, I'm going to
2: be busy this fall by the sound of it.
6: By the end of this uh, panel, you certainly will, no yeah. question about it. So, one, thank you to the Wilson Center for hosting the event today. It really is an honor to be on the stage with so many leaders in trading. And I, I am a huge admirer of Ambassador Tai, of Secretary Clotier, and Minister Ng. Uh, their leadership, uh, their smart, tough negotiating, their ability really to find that common ground in complex issues really it makes them special. So it is, it is great to be uh, on any type of uh, of event uh, with these leaders. And I think what better occasion is there than to come together for the first anniversary of what is such an important bipartisan agreement that benefits all Americans and our trading partners Mexico and Canada. As you said, Mark, USMCA took effect during a terrible pandemic. Um, and I want to talk a little about how we arrived at the USMCA, what this new agreement promises for the future. Because today, as we all rebuild our economies, we are better positioned to succeed because of this agreement. Uh, I am a Texan and uh, got involved in trade uh, at the mentorship of George H.W. Bush and Secretary James Baker. I know in October of 1992, President Bush joined leaders from Mexico and Canada in San Antonio to initial the original NAFTA agreement. And there he said NAFTA is a turning point in the history of our three countries. Uh, it truly was. And in its time, NAFTA was, I think, extremely beneficial to the United States, certainly to my home of Texas, state of Texas, and our neighbors in Canada and Mexico. But it did need updating and modernizing. We need to care for it, invest in it, upgrade it, and make it work for the 21st century. We achieve that together. When President Trump signed the Implementation Act, he said this is a cutting-edge, state-of-the-art agreement, protects, defends, and serves the great people of our country. And he's right. This is a standard for 21st century trade agreements. It builds on the good uh, provisions of NAFTA, zero tariffs, and all U.S. goods exported to Mexico, nearly all of them uh, exported to Canada. Oh, This agreement opens new markets, the U.S. in dairy, wine, and poultry. It locks in key reforms in energy and telecommunications in a big way. I think it strengthens our partnership against distortions caused by major non-market economies like China. I think it includes vastly improved IP protections for copyrights, trademarks, and trade secrets, along with innovative provisions to ensure the enforcement of IP rights, both at the national borders and online. The agreement on labor practices in North America, I believe, raises standards, labor standards around the world. And the fact that it is fully enforceable in the environmental chapter as well means a cleaner, healthier planet. I really appreciate USMCA cuts red tapes uh, for small businesses to buy and sell throughout North America, key for all of us removes costs on low-value shipments, again, important for our small businesses, requires regular consultation among our governments on how we can resolve issues that affect our Main Street businesses. Negotiating this agreement was difficult, uh, but it was only the first step. Implementing and enforcing it will continue, as you've said, long into the future. So the agreement lives up to uh, our high expectations. And so I turn to the promise of tomorrow. Will we always agree? Uh, No. That's why USMCA has, I think, an effective dispute settlement system to provide timely and fair resolutions. The state-to-state dispute settlement system under NAFTA was broken uh, by allowing any party to block the formation of dispute panels. Uh, This shouldn't be optional. USMCA fixed that. Now panels will be appointed. The process has been approved to acquire timely outcomes. And this upgrade, perhaps most importantly, applies to all aspects of the agreement. Oh. I know I intend to work closely with Ambassador Tai to ensure the United States uses this when appropriate. And I think just because of the attitude and the approach that, that to all three of our trade leaders in their respective countries bring to the table, I think the success of this trade partnership for all parties, depends on how effectively we protect our rights and work through these disputes i know we have raised obviously from the us uh, approach to treatment of dairy products in canada biotech ag products and investors in energy in mexico uh, our other our part, our partners uh, have issues to raise as well And i think there while there are challenges you know i'm optimistic uh, because of this agreement we can work through this in a way that affirms rigorous enforcement, uh, but uh, in a way that moves all three countries forward. Ambassador Tai has shown she finds these tools useful. I'm confident Minister Ng and Secretary Clothier also will do so when they believe it's appropriate. And at the end of the day, the 21st century upgrades reduce friction in trade. We, do, we are, I believe, able now better to work out our differences for workers, farmers, ranchers, manufacturers, and service providers. And I think it will boost investment and trade within North America exactly as we work to recover uh, from our economy. So perfect timing on uh, implementation of this agreement. I know all of us, Mark, want to help. Those who were hit hardest by the pandemic return our our neighbors and communities and families to prosperity and good health as quickly as we can. To do that, I think uh, USMCA helps us provide more stronger, more resilient supply chains, more resources in North America. mean, we can buy and produce more goods, especially key, crucial medical products, medicines. Supplies and ingredients to produce them, Uh, our economy, and I think our health depend on our medical independence from China in these uh, key areas. I think we all benefit from increased regional production of medical and pharmaceutical products. Uh, Our crucial supply chains can be anchored in North America, running through our trading partners, uh, foremost with Canada and Mexico. I also think, as was mentioned by our trade leaders, the passage of USMCA, and I credit my counterpart, Chairman Richie Neal, for a terrific work and leadership here in the House, but it laid the foundation for future bipartisan trade legislation. We are, in some ways, already building on this blueprint, but I hope we do more, and I know our counterparts in Canada are doing the same throughout the world. I will tell you, I am... I am confident Ambassador Ty, who is a skilled and strong negotiator, will work with lawmakers in Congress to advance our leadership in trade. She knows what it takes, bipartisanship, intense uh, consultation and transparency. And after the historic uh, bipartisan support, Mark, uh, frankly, one I didn't think I'd live to see uh, in trade, and I am very, was very encouraged by this, I just am convinced we can work together to do more. Um, and this will help us exit the pandemic crisis, um, frankly, stronger than we entered it. We do know though, there is aggressive global competition for ag, goods, services, markets. When we compete on a level playing field, we win customers around the world. And together, because of this partnership, uh, we can still win when these trade challenges aren't fair, whether from China or elsewhere. We have to, as partners, continue to address massive unfair subsidies, dumping, IP theft, forced technology transfers, unscientific barriers to ag products, protectionist uh, restrictions on data, transfer, so key to the future. And then localization measures of all sorts. These are all the challenges globally. I'm convinced USMCA shows us a better way with market principles, high standards, innovation and fair competition and strong labor standards. I think USMCA challenges the world to embrace the future rather than a protectionist, isolationist past. So I'm convinced our modernized and deepened partnership will allow us to compete and win. Um, I will continue to urge the Biden administration to lead on trade in this world uh, with the bold new trade agreements throughout the world uh, that will set the standard and enhance trade going forward. I I will close with this. I, I believe the future is bright under USMCA. One year is an important milestone to celebrate. I'm looking to so many more uh, in ways that will advance, you know, prosperity and opportunity for our three countries. With that, Ambassador, thank you again for having me here today.
2: Uh, Thank you, Kevin, and and, uh, a wonderful optimistic uh, note. And I think in, in some ways you answered the question I was going to ask, and that's, Uh, whether or not the challenges presented by the pandemic and the exposure uh, that it brought about in some of our critical supply chains sort of made the case for the importance of nearshoring and USMCA. Uh, I'll let you address that. Uh, I know your time is short, but let me take one step further. What are the prospects for taking USMCA and going a little bit south? And not staying with North America, but, but heading south from there. What do you think?
6: Yes, yeah, so a couple of points. One, I think the opportunities for resilient, reliable supply chains, especially the lessons learned from COVID, they are right there in front of us. And uh, we'd be fools not to take advantage of uh, the partnerships we already have through USMCA and NAFTA to create uh, those resilient supply chains. It's a great opportunity for us. Secondly, you may recall I was the point... Person for President Bush on the Central America Free Trade Agreement, as well as work with Columbia and others. And I just believe there's great opportunities here. You know, I have, you know, worried a bit about the leftward uh, turn uh, from many of the countries that we've developed trade relationships. I would like closer ones with them. I think there's this, I think to your point that you're trying to make is, are there opportunities here uh, in our hemisphere? that uh, are due a reset or a re-engagement, I think the answer to that is not yes, but hes- uh, uh, heck yes. And, uh, and I would look forward to working with our trade partners to do that. I think there is support for that in Congress as well.
2: Kevin, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your leadership. Uh, you still have a lot of work ahead of you. We will miss you, but we'll save that conversation for another time. I wanna thank you. I wanna thank all of our distinguished panelists for their participation today. It's been an excellent conversation and an uplifting one. I'm sure we've all come away with a deeper understanding of the impact and importance of USMCA. And and again, I, I think what the possibilities are going forward. Before we close, I would like to turn it over to Ambassador Tony Wayne to provide a brief overview of the progress made by our USMCA working group, which he so ably chairs. And our plans for the coming year. Tony over to you.
7: Thanks, thanks very much, Mark, and thanks to everybody who participated today. Uh, as, as Ambassador Green mentioned at the start, we've been very active over the past year. We held, held over 20 different events, public and private discussions of different aspects of USMCA and related North America cooperation. Uh, We put out about 20 papers also, which you can find on the websites of the Mexico and Canada Institutes here at the Wilson Center. I encourage you to visit them. And we intend to go forward over this next year with a continued series of public and private meetings. And one of the things we try to do is have a series of private discussions, which are off the record, not for attribution, and have uh, participants from all three countries, from the private sector, from government uh, so pe- and civil society, so people can frankly talk through some of the difficult issues and some of the important opportunities. And then we complement that by having public discussions, putting out public papers um, that are open to a much broader audience. But we look forward to all of you participating as we go forward, and please let us know if you are interested in participating. I might just mention three of the things that came out of all these uh, meetings, sort of constants that cut across all the discussions. One is the importance of the certainty provided by USMCA and the importance from stakeholders. They, They really want to see this agreement implemented and enforced going forward. Of course, they'd like to see problems solved through dialogue, But if that's not possible, they want people to use the dispute settlement mechanisms that exist and and to see how they work. Um, Secondly, there was a constant theme that as we are moving forward, it is really important to have a dialogue between governments and stakeholders. Certainly that will happen between individual governments and their own stakeholders in their own countries. But the people we talked with said there's a real enriching possibility if you can do this in the trilateral context, or if it's a question of borders in the Northern or Southern borders, that there's a lot that can be gained from inviting stakeholders to participate. You build support for the process and you get really good ideas. And the third uh, was a comment that uh, for sure, trade ministers are in charge of this and they're implementing USMCA. But when we start trying to find solutions to some of these broader problems, it really is only going to be done well if other agencies get involved if by all three governments. Yeah, for example, looking at borders, the trade ministries are not in charge of borders. You need to have others involved, and that's true in all of these areas. So there was really a, a, a stress on having a whole-of-government approach, and then particularly as the uh, three countries start looking at the competitiveness issues. And a lot of people were very excited about this part of USMCA, looking forward. And as the world changes, as technology changes, as as several of our ministers said, you have to change a little bit the way you're uh, applying this agreement and think about it in different ways. And that's going to take other agencies, and it's even going to take direction, from the, uh, the heads of government in all three countries. So there was enthusiasm for getting back to uh, an occasional North American leaders summit also to help set priorities. So there's a lot to do going forward. Uh, we intend to be really active. We look forward to hearing from you as we do so and uh, to have you participate with us. So let us, let us know your thoughts. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, we look forward now to USMCA really taking off in this second year. And a reminder that we're going to start uh, reviewing the progress in five years. That's one of the neat things about USMCA. There's a review process built in. So we need to get busy and uh, think about how things are working. Thank you very much and all the best.
0: The nonpartisan Wilson Center offers insight and analysis to help power the decisions of policymakers, civic leaders, and the general public. Stay informed with the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. I'm Mario Munoz reporting.